because he's the kind of man that if he'd have known about me, he would have been there. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't have told him no. Every kid he's ever had in his life is world. And I'd never seen that from a man. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 163. And right off the bat, I wanted to say thank you very much to my very first patron, Lori Milne Candlin. Thank you so much for being a devotee to the NPE Stories podcast. I created a Patreon account to help with the content creation of this podcast a couple of weeks ago. And I have my first patron, which is so helpful. I'm really hoping to, by next season, get clean voice technology, which should help me immensely with my editing and getting rid of the uhs and the ums and the sos, which I'm guilty of myself. But with every donation to the Patreon page for NPE Stories, I am getting closer to it. So thank you feel free to visit patreon.com slash NPE stories and check out the content I have over there. I do record videos when I'm done with the episode and I put my thoughts up there for patrons. I also take notes, so many notes, and I have screenshotted those and put them up there as well. All right, let's get to our story for today bring in my guest. Today I am speaking with Cody. Hi, Cody. Hello. Well, you know, you wrote me, I think the very day a year ago when you found out what the word NPE was. Is yeah. that correct? Yes, ma'am. It was actually that morning. I, uh, it was about, a, let's see, it was in April. So we're two months after discovery. Uh, I had just searched and searched and searched and finally ran across you and Looked as hard as I can to find your email address and get in touch with you. And at that time, you, mean, you told me it was about a year that there's going to be a wait, and it has it's been right at that. You're on your mark with that. And uh, <laughs> but I'm glad I'm glad it took that long because there was a lot more that needed to unfold for me to see a lot more and to add to this story. Like it just wasn't the story wasn't done writing itself. So for people who get signed up with you and get that because it's going to get you know it's going to be a year wait for just about anybody at this point. And, uh, but don't let that discourage you. Just, just hang on because there's a reason for it. Mm, thank you, Cody. Thank you so much for waiting. And, and it's so nice. We get to hear from a male NPE's perspective today. And so let's kind of get the background story about where you came from and why don't you tell us about your family of origin? Okay. I, uh, I was born in 84 in a town called Pryor, Oklahoma. We lived in a town called Big Cabin. Oklahoma at the time. I was the third child. There was two older sisters that I had. I know that whenever I came along and my mom was pregnant with me, she, uh, her, and my, I guess, BCF were not together. He was actually living after speaking with one of my aunts. I found out that 
he was actually living with another woman at the time. So I know that it wasn't like an affair or anything like that happened. Uh, it turns out my mom met my, my dad, which is my biological father. I just call him dad because that's who he is to me. My mom met my dad. I guess they hung out for a couple of times, probably party together. Mainly my mom was partier like I was, obviously. They hung out a few times and went their separate ways. My dad was 19 at the time. My mom was, would have been, oh, I think, 23 or 24. I, I can't remember exactly. But her and the birth certificate father, I guess, got back together at one point. I don't know what stemmed that. or Maybe it was her being pregnant. I don't know. There was supposed, well, I know there was actually, there was a story that I heard through a conversation that was going on when I was little. And this is one of the, the red flags that stuck out to me is, as you know, there's a problem with how I fit into this family because I, I stuck out bad. There was the best way I can describe it is I was like a stray dog. My personality was different. My sense of humor was different. And I just, I was a different person. And I, like many have said before, I didn't fit in and I knew I didn't, but in my house, there was a lot of control growing up and it you weren't allowed to speak out against something that bothered you or hurt your feelings without getting yelled at or leave me alone. I ain't listening to this right now. Just several things. You weren't allowed to show emotion. And if somebody hurt you, you just you sucked it up. And that was pretty much it. And that's that turned me into what one of my therapists politely called a fixer. And that really hit me when she explained or he explained all that. And uh that that's where it came from. I had to fix everybody in the damn house. Ugh. It was not something that any kid should ever be put through. And it caused a lot of problems later on down the road. So definitely shy away from that. And and that carried on into my, my adult life. It, it hardened me as a person. I, I, you know, it taught me to just keep it all in and suck it up, move on. Don't express yourself. It, and it caused me to be a codependent person too. Because whenever my mom passed away in 2010, it was May 5th. And as soon as that happened, it made me want to build a relationship with the BCF father, which I'd never had a relationship with. There was no emotional connection between us. And I never realized that until last year, because I learned a lot last year about myself after discovering this. We did very little together. And it was something, if we were doing something together, it was something he wanted to do. You know, when I was, I remember 16, trying to get him to work on my truck with me, wasn't having no part of it. Uh, asked him over and over to try to drink a beer with me when I was 21, wouldn't, wouldn't do that. And, which he didn't drink a lot. I learned from one of my aunts, his, his dad was an alcoholic and I think there's a lot of violence in the home. So, so I get where some of his issues come from as far as communication, because he was raised in pretty rough environment from what I understood. His dad was, it was all about image back then. And I think that's where a lot of me being hidden ties in. I spoke to a family member and I'm not going to, I'm not putting out names of anybody or even who they could be because it'll just turn into a war with that family. Cause that's how they are. Um, but no, I spoke to a family member that I trust and would have was there. And I, I called them with the issue that I had found when I found out to try to get some information because obviously mom was gone. She had passed away and my mom was my everything. It, when, when I remember my childhood and every good memory was with her, she, she was everything to me. But when I lost her, it, it broke something bad in me. Were you raised with your mom then full time? Yes. Yeah. Mom and dad were, 
married. They broke up several times throughout their relationship, which explained the fact that they weren't together whenever I was conceived. They had a volatile marriage. It was a lot of fighting, a lot of screaming. I heard things I never should have heard as a kid. I was told things and see and saw things I never should have seen or been told. And I just had to keep my mouth shut. And that was, that's a hell of a weight to put on a kid. Anyone listening to this, don't, don't do that to your kids. If you catch a bad trait that you, that you gathered from your parents growing up, which I, I can't say I'm not guilty of it. I, w- I was rough as hell on my son for several years. But since discovering all this, he's, he's been right here with me the whole time. He's been the only one. When did you first discover you were an NPE? Did you have any inkling of this before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah one of the first red flags was heard, overheard a conversation in my house that, you, that the BCF father had had a vasectomy after my second sister. I've got two older sisters. And so that, of course, you know, that didn't make no sense to me. And I got told, but what I got told, my excuse I was given was that some men can be born with three lines instead of two. I was like, okay. So this is another thing I had to squash down because if I brought it up or talked too much about it, it was time you'd be quiet. Just push. It's a very sweep it under the rug society that I lived in. And you, no, 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 no. And so that's one of the red flags I had throughout the years. I'm just going to go into those. The next one, there was something in the sixth grade about a, a blood type science project where you got your parents' blood types and it showed how you were made. I don't remember all the information. I know that I'm an O negative and it takes something pretty particular, I guess, to make that in a child. And it wasn't present. That got brought up and of course, hush, change the subject, yell and deflect. Sweep it under the rug and go on. So, of course, I had to swallow that and go on. There's a few other things over the years that didn't fit in. I mean, I had friends that asked me if I was adopted, and I was like, I don't think so. Of course, I'm not going to bring that up because I wasn't allowed to because through my childhood programming, I uh, just wasn't allowed to talk about those things or bring them up. I had a few close people throughout my life that I, I did bring it up with that I felt like I could trust and and could confide in. And I've reached out to all of them and, and told them, you know, obviously my discovery and they all, you know, of course, like, you know, I knew it was, I knew it was a deal and all that. And the most recent red flags I got for my discovery was I had ordered the ancestry test, which I did the ancestry DNA test. Uh, my wife at the time, we'll go into that later. Uh, she had done one and shown me hers and explained how it all worked. Cause I had wanted to do one over the years, but I, I don't spend money on myself and I feel like, and that's just part of me because, you know, being a fixer, I worry about everybody around me. I never would spend money on myself. I finally to the point that fine, I just, I need to do it. And so that test sat on my bar in my kitchen for a while because I had it for probably at least a month and I looked at it every day and I was like, I can't do it. I can't. And because I knew it was going to happen. I knew it. I knew something ridiculous <laughs> was going to come in those test results. I didn't know what it was going to be, but I knew it was going to be something crazy. So it sat there for a while. Last year, or I'm sorry, not last year. This would have been 2021. I decided at the beginning of that year that I was going to 
do whatever it took to put my family back together. When mom passed away in 2010, the family fell apart. They still got together for stuff here and there, but it it was not what it was supposed to be as a family. And I wanted to fix that. I felt like it. It got put on my heart to do it. So I did it. I spent all of last year hosting a family dinner at my house every single Sunday afternoon. I would send out a text message on Wednesday nights because at the time I was real heavy into going to church. I would send it out Wednesday nights, invite them to come to Bible study, uh, tell them I needed a head count for Sunday, told them what I was cooking. I already had already prepared the the meal and ever not meal, but the menu and everything. And so I didn't want there to be any issues about I didn't know what we were having or any other excuse. Uh, but I did that every Sunday or every Wednesday. I sent out that text message. Saturday night, I would send out another reminder because it was a big group text that I did all the time. Another reminder of, hey, you know, dinner here tomorrow, Sunday night. This is what we're having. I need a head count so I know how much to cook. And I get maybe one or two reply, maybe one reply by Friday. Send out the other one, obviously, on Saturdays. Half the time, nobody replied. So I just took it as they're not coming and went on with it. I had a few family members that showed up every time. Actually, me and my brother were were real close into this and doing this together. So he was always here. Little sister can't you know show up. My oldest sister, so I have a younger brother and younger sister that are twins. They're 12 years younger than me. My oldest sister would always show up. Another sister, the other older one, sounds complicated. Mm-hmm. She would she showed up like twice. Wasn't in any sort of shape to be here. I'll just leave it at that. But two times out of the whole year. In the midst of all that, like I said, the DNA test was sitting on my bar. The oldest sister that would come over all the time. Oh, and the BCF father, which lives about three blocks from me. And I bought this house actually as part of my, I guess, future plan of putting my family back together. Because he lived up here with his girlfriend. And my oldest sister lived down the road. She has several of my nieces and nephews. And... Me and my son had been in a position that it was time for me to be on my own. I had to leave a relationship that I was in at the time. And that was five, six years ago. Uh, so we had bought this house up here. Otherwise, I would not have bought the house in the town I live in. Uh, there's no reason to. But he showed up a couple of times. Back to the DNA test. Uh, the oldest sister saw it on the bar and said, what's that for? This is you know one of my recent red flags. She said, what's that for? And I said, just going to do a DNA test. I've at that time I had lost a considerable amount of weight. Um, I was way, I was right at about 240. And then within a year's time, I had gotten down to 165 pounds and it was all due to stress. And I was oh. taking on a bunch of stress I didn't need to. And I was in a bad situation. The oldest sister asked about the test and I told her, you know, I've Needed to, uh, I want to do my health history and stuff like that. Cause at the time they were advertising that along with the ancestry test. I said, it's one of my health history cause you know, I'm getting old and I got to start paying attention to that now. And, uh, and she's like, don't do that. And I, her whole, a whole demeanor shifted. And I said, well, why not? And cause I knew, you know, I obviously had this other stuff in the back of my mind and I wasn't about to tell her that cause that would have started a whole war. But she said, don't do that. And just wouldn't even address it. I said, well, why not? And she just turned and walked out the back door because that was, you know, like I say, it was during one of the cookouts on Sunday that I invited everyone to. Um, mm. And so I just kind of, I told my wife what happened and 
she just she under she's like yeah there's so she agreed with me she knew something was fixing to was fixing to come around and timing has a lot to do with this i feel like and i was told my mom told me everything happens for a reason she pumped that into my head since a small child and i 100% believe in that uh because after i had you know shortly after that like i said i already had the test for a while and once that happened with her i was like yeah i got to it's time to do this so i did it the next morning and sealed up all the box and I brought it back in and set it on the bar. And I was like, okay. But I knew I had to send it before long and only last for so long or whatever in the vial. But I couldn't take it then. And it sat there for, I think, four or five days. And then I think on the fifth day, me and my wife had went to Lowe's and walking through the parking lot, she, one of her cousins or uncles, so this guy, they got, we got to chatting back and forth and we mentioned about the, cause the, you know, like I said, her family had done a DNA test and her, believe it or not, her uncle brought it up or cousin or whoever it was. He brought it up to us about her DNA test. And she told him that we were just fixing to send off one for me. And he's like, Oh, that's cool. And then we kind of, you know, she, we told him the deal of what we were worried about, what was going to happen with, you know, BCF father, not being biological father. And, uh, he, then knew my last name and he said, I've heard about you. And I said, what? I was like, how have you heard about me? I've never seen this dude in a day in my life. And he said, me and another gentleman I know in this town, which was, he was, he stood in as a father figure several times for me. He's a very, very good man. I actually lived with his son at one, where his son lived with me at one point in the first house. I, I moved out of my parents' house and got my first place. He, he was my first roommate. Awesome people. They're, I still go fishing with them. They're great. But she said, her uncle said, me and him heard about the vasectomy thing about your BCF. And I said, are you serious? Like, this has been talk of the town at some point? Like, so there, there's several people apparently that knew around here, which I found out over the course of last year. I, I found out there was a lot of people that knew about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, more people than should have with me not knowing. But that was the other thing. It was just crazy that he brought that up out of nowhere. And... I guess that next morning, she, she, my wife grabbed the test off the bar and dropped it off on the way to work. And she had hounded me all that week of when are you going to drop that off? And then the deal with her relative happened and uh, she just took it upon herself and, and dropped it off. And that had, had a lot to do with timing because she didn't do nothing in the mornings. She was not a morning person. You didn't talk to her. You just let her get ready and leave. So she, and she didn't do nothing for nobody. Got her drink, her cup and rolled. Well, it was out of character that she grabbed that test and dropped it off at the post office. So I was like, okay, well, I guess we'll see what happens. And by that time I had made my ancestry account and just looked at what I actually built a huge tree, family tree that turned out didn't even belong to me. I wasn't even part of it. And so I, that was all the more I messed with it. Got my results back on February 4th and that of 2022. And that will, and that's when the whole, whole world shifted. At the time, I was working nights for a mechanic shop overnight weekends, which was Thursday, Friday, and Saturday from 4 p.m. to 4.30 a.m. It was the most horrible schedule ever. I've never worked nights. Awful idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to go to work there because my business that I had started, my mobile mechanic service, it was failing due to like the parts issues and other contributing factors. Not making the money I should have. So I, as a dad, you know, at the time I had wife, uh, my two bonus kids, my son, they were all here. So I had a whole family to provide for, didn't have a choice. Went to this job, the February 4th, when I got my results, 
I had woke up getting up around noon to get ready for the day because I couldn't sleep on no a normal schedule. But I got up and I checked that website every day, every morning. When I would get up and I checked it every day because I was ready to see what was going to happen. And as soon as I opened the results, <clears throat> it's all, it showed the your lineage, where you came from, ethnicity, that's what it is, sorry. Uh, it showed that, and one thing about that I've been told my whole life is that I was Indian. I had Indian in me. I live in Oklahoma. Everybody here has something in them, Indian-wise, it seems like. But I opened it, and there was none. There was nothing other than completely white countries, like Europe. Uh, I can't remember all of them that were on there. Nothing of Indian is in it, so that was like, all right, that's weird. But I hadn't got to the matches yet, because obviously that wasn't something I'd went through yet. And I started flipping through the matches, and then I see a name on there, and I'm not... I'm not going to mention any names. It's just for a matter of, I'm not throwing anybody's business out in the street. I saw a name on there and I had never seen this name at all. And it didn't make any sense. It looked and the next one down was like a second cousin. And that was from my mom's uh, maiden name. It was from my mom's side, but my last name was not on there at all whatsoever. And that made no sense to me, but that other name came because they're close relative. And at that time, I didn't understand how to see what, how close this person was at all. And so it panics me. And I already have dealt with anxiety and depression my entire life. So I was in a full-fledged depression, it turns out, when this happened. I didn't figure that out until last year. But I saw this name on there. And then I had to go to work. Uh, I'm driving down the road and trying to, you know, flipping through this app, trying to figure out what who this person is, how do I get a hold of them? Of course, I obviously went to Facebook because that's where everybody goes to figure out who somebody is. I went there and I clicked on it and I looked at her information and it said, it said, I can't remember what town, but it wasn't one that I was even close to. It was like Southern, Southeast Oklahoma. And I was like, okay, this is, makes less sense. I didn't recognize her or anything else. Uh, no mutual friends, nothing. And I finally figured out that you click on the CM part and it shows you a new graph and, and new something else. Well, then it started showing me the part where we were had this much percentage of DNA shared and uh, the potential. potential. And I looked her up on Facebook, so I figured out how old she was. She, I noticed she was younger than me. And all the potential things were grandmother, aunt, niece, half-sister. I think that was all of them. It was not my grandma. It was too old. Maybe aunt, I didn't know if maybe there was something in the family somewhere else that nobody told was you know, told about. But then the half-sister part, I'm like, that's this is nuts. What is this? And because that was the only age part that would make sense. Uh, and me, I'm the type of person, if anymore, I, I didn't used to be this way, but I've learned to be this way. If something, if I question something, I don't wait. I don't think about it. I don't wait. I don't procrastinate about it. If I want to know something, I'm going to ask you. Simple as that. So I instantly send a message to this person. I said, I don't know what's going on here. I said, we obviously don't know each other. But this thing says we're related. Let's figure this out. And she wrote back and agreed. This is crazy. It doesn't make any sense. She said, tell me, you know, she wanted me to tell me, tell her about me. And so I discussed all those details about who my mom was. You know, she lived over around Grand Lake. You know, at this time of my conception, they lived. I told them, I said, I knew that she lived with her grandmother, or partially with her grandmother over there. She was sick at the time. Her grandma was. And my mom was actually raised by her grandma. 
and she in turn is pretty much an NPE also, I guess. I don't, maybe I'm, I'm not sure. Lily might help me on that. But with her, her mom dropped her off at her grandma's house as an infant. And this is what I've been told over the years. And I'm recalling it the absolute best that I can, which I went pretty deep in my memory last year because this thing rocks you to the core. When you figure out finally, you know, once you figure out what's going on, it, it rocks everything about you and it could get worse or it could get beautiful. It could go any different way. So just be ready. Mom was dropped off by her mother at her grandma's house at a very young age. And so she was raised by her grandma. My mother never knew her mom and never knew her father. They were obviously an older generation. There would have been my great grandma. They were elderly, I guess, when mom showed up. I don't know how that relationship was, to be completely honest with you. I can imagine that generation knew nothing about my mom's generation because that's when you got a lot more population. People were getting more into partying and everything else. There was a lot more social mixing that grandma's generation didn't have. I know, and that was, yeah, she dropped her off there. They raised her. I think that their health was declining pretty much a long time throughout their life because I think my mom just pretty much took care of them through once she got old enough to my mom basically became their caretaker and that was the only parent she ever knew. My mom found her real father when I was in the eighth grade, which also ties in together with my son was in the eighth grade when I found my real father, which I thought was kind of cool, but she found her real father when I was in the eighth grade. And my mom used to watch unsolved mysteries like no other. She didn't miss any episode. She was just into all that. She very big into it. One night, I remember the night that we were watching that show. The BCF was, wasn't around at all very much. Me and him didn't do nothing together. Like I mentioned earlier, there was no emotional relationship. He wasn't around much. Him and his dad owned a bar in town. And so that's pretty much where he was at all the time. So it was always me and the two older sisters. And uh, I think, let me think, by that time, yeah, my younger brother and younger sister had been born by then around that time of the eighth grade. But she, after watching Unsolved Mysteries that night, she gets on the phone. She gets in the phone book and just starts calling. I think she called the operator because this was way back in the day. There wasn't, you know, you couldn't just get on Google and find somebody. Uh, she called, I think, the operator and gave them names and whatnot because she knew that he lived on the West Coast somewhere. I don't know if she knew he was in Nevada. It turns out he actually lived in Las Vegas, him and his wife at the, at the time when she found him. But she ended up finding him that night, like went through the phone book and got a hold of people and the operator or whatever else. Ends up getting on the phone with this guy. And they start talking. And, of course, we're all excited. Like, this is, you can see the happiness of my mom when she learned this. Like, this was, I, I know how it feels now. You know, all of us kids were excited and all that. And, uh. They end up talking for a little bit. He, he comes out to where we live from Las Vegas. Him and his wife, they travel all the time. They had a, a camper and all that. This dude just pulls camper up in the yard, parks it for a week. One of the coolest people I've ever met. Because at that time, like I said, there was no relationship with the BCF father. We hunted and fished together a little bit. And it's just, that was about it. I heard from him when I screwed up. I never heard from him when I needed to. Never, there was no advice. There was no guidance. As far as I learned a lot of what not to do, you know, I guess <laughs> that's the only time yeah. I heard from him. But so in this, my turned out to be my grandpa. He came out here and here for a week. It may have been more, more longer. I don't know. 
we went fishing together. This dude gave me an entire fly tying kit because I was big into fishing. That was, I spent a good portion of my childhood alone. Like I just went and did my own thing. That's just, that was me. I didn't care for, to be at the house, especially if the wrong people were there. I just, I didn't want to be there. I spent, there was a pond about a quarter of a mile from my house. I walked over there probably every day and fished. My mom would get so pissed because we had a little kiddie pool in the backyard and I would catch these bigger fish that I didn't want to throw back. And I'd bring them home and put them in the kiddie pool and she'd get mad and I'd have to take them back because I want to bring them home to clean them and eat them, but I didn't know how to clean them. So I would wait on her to come home. Cause I'm pretty sure me and her fished together more than BCF did. But she loved to fish. had a huge deal for the outdoors too. But yeah, he showed me, he gave me this entire fly tying kit and showed me how to do that. It was the coolest thing ever. That was great. Uh, <clears throat> that explains the part of my mom being the MPE. So did your mom ever, ever in her life meet her birth mother? No, she didn't. No, she did not. She actually, I, she told me her, me and my mom were, like I said, best friends. She knew everything about me. I mean, everything. I, I told this woman, she was the only person I could ever confide in throughout life. I remember her telling me that she didn't have a desire to meet her mom. And I, I could understand why with her knowing that her mom just abandoned her at her at her parents' house and never looked back. Mm -hmm. Her and my mom's dad were married for a short period of time. I know that. I found the marriage records on that, which gave me a few names. They were married for a short amount of time. He was, I think, in serving the military at that time. So he wasn't even around. So he never seen my mom, I don't think. I knew she existed, but, you know, back in the... This was in the 60s. There wasn't a way to find somebody back then like you can now. So he had no idea how to look, where to go, any of that. She never met her biological mom, didn't have a desire to meet her. She found out, see, mom was in 2010, I want to say 2006 or so. I remember her telling me about they had figured out where her mom was, and she had passed away in a nursing home just north of here north of here, somewhere in Kansas. That's all I really knew about that part. And my mom had no siblings that she knew of. She found, uh, I think, three brothers. When she found her dad, she learned about having three brothers. Obviously got to learn a lot about his side of, the li his side of life and all that. But that would explain the part of my mom also being an NPE. I, I think that would be an NPE, or late in life discovery, because she knew that her grandparents were not her parents, but never had the means to, to find them. Oh. So the way she was raised, you know, she was basically taking care of her parents her whole life. She had no life experience at all. When she had my first sister, she was only almost pregnant, married and dropped out of school in the 10th grade. She didn't know anything about life. And that's when the BCF father found her basically when he put, put her hooks in him, I guess I could say, because she didn't know anything about life to protect herself. Cause we didn't learn anything about boundaries or, anything else growing up. I didn't know what a boundary was until last year. Um, never taught to, to stick up for yourself. Basically just learned how to de defend myself. And that's what taught me how to read people. Like I was able to read the older sister. I can read body language on somebody instantly. I become, I got super, I guess, hyper vigilant is the word for it growing yeah. up. And I can read body yeah. language like no other tone of voice. I overanalyze everything I'm working on that throughout all the mental health I've been discovering myself in. We'll get to that in a little bit. That's very important to me. But mom was an NPE. Okay, we'll go to post, or yeah, from Discovery on, you know, founded on okay. February 4th last year. So it's been a little over a year. 
and found my sister on there. Half sister, we got to talking back and forth, exchanged the information. Then it, she, I guess, right when she figured out what was going on and that me and her were related through our parents somehow, she, I don't know if she was already at my dad's house or if she just drove up from her place because she lived, like I said, Southeast Oklahoma. She, I think she drove up when she figured it all out, if I remember right. And to ask him, like, she's just like me, let's, let's figure out what this is. And so we exchanged information. She was there with her dad, talked to him. Told her who my mom was, told her maiden name, any name she probably could have went by, time frame. It all matched up. He remembered. So like, they dated briefly, and that was it. Young kids partying, going on about their business. Uh, so that that confirmed that he knew what, you know, that this was all real. This was my my dad I'm talking to, or well, was my talking to my sister first. And eventually, she, we, me and him, she gave him my number, and he texted me. We texted back a few times, and... He's not great with texting, and so we just end up calling each other. We talk a little bit. He said, yeah, I, I remember your mom. Uh, dated briefly, and he's he's had a hard time with this, too, in the side of it. He's had to, he's wanted to apologize a bunch of times, and I've had to catch him and say, no, that we are not at fault here. Nothing about this is, at, is our fault. Uh, so we chat back and forth and all that. It, it was on a Friday. Because I ended up going home from work. I figured out what was going on while I, as soon as I got to work and uh, I broke. I was like, this is the, I got to go. And I just told my boss that, hey, I'm out. I hadn't been there very long. So it didn't look real great that I was leaving to my shift and all that. But that's neither here nor there. When I figured it out, I, I went home. Like, I, like I, this, I'm broke. Something, I got to figure this out now. So we tried back and forth some, uh, confirmed everything. It was a huge weight off my shoulders. I can say that. I mean, a huge weight. I've carried this. You know, I've had these red flags pop up over the years. I've carried this with me my whole life and just couldn't talk about it. Couldn't bring it up anymore. Uh, but it broke so much off of me to finally know that I wasn't just losing my mind. I've been told I was crazy for talking about it by family members, uh, all that over the years. And it just, but I knew there was something wrong. I no, wasn't right. Either way, broke all that off of me, uh, and that was, a, like I said, that was a Friday. We talked back and forth for a couple of days, me and my dad, and my sister was going to go back. She was up at my dad's the whole time. She was going to go back to her place on Monday. I was off work. Like I said, I was only working the weekend shift. I was off work, and it just her was, she was going home, and I was going to miss my opportunity to see her because she didn't know when she would come back. She has she runs an entire farm. She's awesome. She, Incredible lady, but she didn't know when she'd be able to come back up. She's got cattle to take care of. She's got two, my two nieces, which are, I love them to death. Very busy lady. So I said, this is it. This, I have to do it now. And where they live at, which is, like I said, over in Big Cabin, which he turns out, yeah, he only lives an hour from me and has this entire time. He's never moved from the house he's lived in the last 30 some odd years. So he never left the area, thankfully. But, and I, I said, I got to go over there. And that area is known for a rougher crowd. And as a dad, I said, I'm not going to take my family over there into a hornet's nest. Cause I don't know these people. No, we don't know anything about each other other than we're connected now. Uh, so I went over there the first time by myself. I just, the hell with it. I'm going. That was on Monday. They stayed. I got over there and, and my sister had sent me pictures and stuff over the weekend. And the first time I got to see my a picture of my grandpa, I don't know what it was, but something about this guy's eyes, I, I 
I saw myself, I guess. I don't know. And other people have mentioned that too about his eyes. I don't know. But, and I got over there and I met these people. They welcomed me in like I'd been there the whole time. So that Monday when I figured out she was going to go home, it was going to be a little bit before I could see her again. I knew I had to go. I said, the hell with it, I'm going. And I called my wife and let her know. Wasn't real happy about that. I don't really know why, but it, that was, yeah. So I went on over there. I met them and we just clicked. As soon as I walked in, I texted my sister on the way there. I said, I want you to record this for me because I don't ever want to forget it. She recorded when I walked in the door and hugged this man. And and I, I just want to console him, I guess, because that's my, that's my nature is the fixer. I still do it. I, uh, he apologized. Like I said, he's done that several times. I've had to get on to him to not apologize because we're not at fault here. This, because he's the kind of man that if he'd have known about me, he would have been there and you wouldn't, you wouldn't have told him no. Every kid he's ever had in his life is world. And I'd never seen that from a man other than me because that's how I am. Every kid that's ever been a part of my life, they're, they're everything to me. But I, I know if he would have known about me, because none of them knew about me. They didn't know I existed. He had no even idea that I was out there. But had he known, I, like I said, had he known I was out there, he would have came. But I sat in that living room and I talked to them for hours. And we are so much alike, it's ridiculous. I finally saw where I came from. He has the same personality as me. We're both, we're, we're cut-ups, basically, as you can say. We, we like to make people laugh. He likes to make people happy around him. He's hilarious. He jokes around all the time. He plays pranks on people. It's it's ridiculous. And and they never knew. I probably have passed cross paths with this guy because over there, he lives around Grand Lake. And I fished over there and actually lived there at one point and worked for one of his friends because I was welding at the time and I worked for a boat dock service that one of his buddies owned. So I was... And I know I probably drove by this guy's, he owns a, a plumbing business and has had it there for, I think it was over 20 years that he's had this plumbing business. And I drove by this place every single time I went over there to fish. I guarantee you he's passed me on the river because he fishes every single day. That's what this man does. And he catches fish all day. He's an outdoorsman, 100%. That's more of what we had in common, which was great because me and my son are both outdoor fanatics. We hunt, fish, everything we can do outside. We're going to do it. And that's exactly how he is and has been his entire life. And so I know I've had to cross paths with, paths with this guy. And his dad, my grandpa, he's, he's the same way. That's all he does is go fishing all the time. I probably stood next to these guys, which is crazy. We talked about everything you know we're into and, and stuff throughout his life. And I just sat there and learned so much about each other. And we just, our conversations, it just clicked like, you didn't, I didn't get to talk about this, any of this stuff growing up with anybody because that family didn't talk, the family I grew up with. And it was great. We clicked the entire time, like I said, and had so many things in common. And the only crap part to this whole thing is I'm short. I'm 5'8". This dude is 6'6". Six, six. I got no height from him whatsoever. My little sister is like six six foot or six one. I'm the shortest person everywhere. So I get made fun of being short a lot, but that's fine. That's my personality. We like to joke and have fun. If I'm not making fun of you, I probably don't like you. <laughs> but uh, it just, it was crazy how much we had in common. Everything clicked. Uh, how many siblings do you have on your dad's side? I have a sister and a 
he would be my stepbrother, but I mean, he's my brother. My dad doesn't look him, look at him as anything other than my brother as his son. I mean, uh, he's, he's, they all welcomed us in. My sister welcomed me in. Like I said, they actually invited my grandpa over there. They wouldn't, he's kind of a, he's a loner, which explains my growing up. I was kind of the same way. I just kind of did my own thing. Like I said, I fished all the time by myself and just always stayed busy outside. I didn't want to be at home, uh, but they had him come over and I can't remember what they told him, but they didn't want to spook him because older gentleman or whatever but they had him come over and that's when i seen his eyes and realized this is crazy and i looked at him and he just and my dad explained who i was hey this this is your grandson cody and we just learned about him today and we wanted you to meet him and hug this man i could he i could see in his eyes that he saw something too and was just blown away i got to sit there and listen to him talk for a few hours and he commands the attention of the room like when this gentleman talks you listen, and that's just it. And I thought that was so cool because <laughs> I didn't have – I had a grandpa growing up, I guess. Didn't have much more of a relationship with him as I did the BCF. Just that's they were two peas in a pod. And now that was another part. Now they didn't know about me. Like I said, my dad didn't. And uh, so we had that interaction, and when I left, I was absolutely on cloud nine. I had never felt so incredible so energized, invigorated. There are certain people that you get around that they just, they fuel you. They make you feel good. And that's, that's whatever one of these people did. All of them. My brother came over there. I met him. Uh, of course, like I said, my sister was there. It was, it was great. Greatest freaking day of my life, probably. So I went home after that and I come home. I'm, I'm so excited about everything, but then I knew I still had this, this demon to face over here of telling everybody on this side folks I grew up with. Uh, first person I went to was my oldest sister. Cause I couldn't, the BCF was volatile growing up, like just off the handle about something stupid. And so I, I could only imagine how this dude was going to react. And I figured if anybody probably need to have somebody there in case he tried to lunge at me or what, I don't know what was going to happen. Just, so I called her and uh, told her what I had figured out. Cause you know, I'm obviously calling her in confidence, you know, cause I, I need help. I, I can't, this is not something I want to do on my own. They, my two older sisters have always had a much better relationship with him as far as communication and everything. Cause he didn't talk to me about nothing. Uh, so I got a hold of her and told her what I had figured out. You know, I said, Hey, uh, I got my DNA re- results back and he's not my dad. And she told me this, some kind of story about she remembers a conversation that was had. She would have been seven at the time. She heard a conversation that was had between my mom and the BCF. And she knew it was an important adult conversation, but it had to do with the pregnancy and all that sort of stuff. But then backpedaled to, I don't even know what she backpedaled to. And I told her, I said, Hey, I have to tell the BCF and, that's when she went into this instant rage of you cannot tell him it'll kill him. Uh, and I popped back with, I just found out it didn't kill me. So what's the problem here? Either way, she flashed out in rage and to the point where I just hung up the phone. I was like, what the hell was that about? So obviously she wasn't an option. Went to my other sister and revealed to her what I had found out. And she did the same thing. It was instant protection of him. 
Yeah. And and I didn't know what to think at that point. Because mm. the, the two people, because like, you know, mom passed away. I couldn't talk to her about any of it. And she, yeah, the two people I felt like I could lean on and what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, get support from. Yeah, the two people that I feel like could support me in this, instantly the opposite. It was just anger and you're not to tell him, whatever else. But okay. Mm. So I reached out to one of my aunts and told her what I found out because one of my aunts had, she's always, she was the other emotional connection I had growing up. Cause I had one with my mom. Like I said, she's my best friend. She knew everything about me. I knew everything about her. Uh, and my aunt, she, I reached out to her and she was also part of that conversation that happened with my oldest. Well, there was a deal. Okay. About the vasectomy with the BCF. There was another deal that I was told about that there, he had to get some sort of piece of paper for his dad to prove that he possibly could have been the, the dad or something. I don't, I don't know what it all was, but there had to be some sort of piece of paper. It was important. This was a meeting between my mom, BCF and his folks, but image was a big deal, I guess. Cause I heard the word step, the phrase stepchildren was never put in a good light in my house growing up. Wouldn't be no stepkids and all that. I think it had to do with image. And that was, that's something that I've kind of gathered on my own. And I hate that. I don't care about what people think about me. If you don't like me for me, I'm sorry. Go on about your way. But image was a big deal. And I know that meeting happened. So they obviously knew that, you know, they, they knew I wasn't, I learned from both the sisters. They, they knew, all three of them knew I didn't belong to the BCF. They've known my entire life. Really? On top of the people in town that knew about it. But that's obviously something you can't just go up to somebody and tell if you're not family. Uh, mm. Yeah, they, they all they all three knew about it. And I told, I, after the two conversations, I talked to somebody else. Either way, after the conversation with my sister, realized they weren't going to be a support system for me. My wife just said, just bring him over and tell him. You have to do it on your own. Just do it. So I called him. Or I don't know if I call them. We don't talk much. We haven't in years. Other than when they need help with something. So I got a wife said, just get a hold of him and bring him over. So I did. Called him or texted him and said, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Come over to the house so I can get off work. Because like I said, he just lives three blocks from here. Uh, so he comes over. I'm sitting at my kitchen table. And he's leaning up against the bar. It doesn't sit down. Uh, and I think he asked what what I needed or why I brought him over there or whatever. I said, well, I took a DNA test and I figured out who my real father is. Or I learned about my dad. I can't remember how exactly I worded it, but learned over the years that you have to word things just right with certain people. Otherwise they'll take it wrong and all this. But I told him about it and uh, it was a long silence. He didn't even, I mean, just dead stare at the wall on his face. Didn't look at me. Nothing. And I'll, always, I'll never forget what came out of his mouth. He said, I knew you'd figure it out one of these days. I was ready for it. And that's it. That's all he said. He turned and walked out the door. And I, I'm sitting, and I, at that point, I was in shock. I didn't know what to think, what to say, what to do, I didn't know what was going on. So obviously, I had to now digest the truth that they all knew. And just, I was just a hidden family secret. 
That's that's all it boils down to. Why I was hidden, I don't have a clue. Not not a clue. Doesn't matter at this point. I've forgiven everybody. I'm not going to be mad or pissed off by anything anymore. I live mad for way too long because that's all I saw growing up. That was pretty much the only emotion you were allowed to produce at that point. Uh, but I was mad for way too long. And sorry. Well, Cody, can I be mad for you? <laughs> Man, it, yeah. Because yeah. I. Yeah. Well, because I am lis- listening to what he said to you. That yeah, it's. Whew. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have. I still battle with my anger on this, and but I've learned to look a lot deeper into things when it comes to being mad. There, you know, there's, they say it's a secondary emotion, and sometimes you just gotta be pissed off. That's all there is to it. But yeah, after he had, after he had left out, and he just like I said, didn't say anything else. Walked out the door. I'm stunned at this point. I don't know how to how to even go from here. I didn't know where to go with this at that point. I just kind of went on. I was still communicating with my dad. Uh, we talked almost every day. About two weeks later, I uh, hit the BCF's girlfriend told me I needed to go over and talk to him because nobody had spoke to me since that. So she said he's having a hard time with it. That's fine. You know, at this point, I didn't want my family to fall apart. Family's everything to me. It always has been. And so I was like, all right, cool. I'll go over and talk to him. And so I went over there. He was at his house, sitting in a recliner, watching TV, which is about normal. Walked in there and I said, hey, you know, I don't want nothing to change. I want this all to stay just like it's always been. But I'm going to pursue learning about my my dad and meeting them and getting to know his family. And as soon as I mentioned him, it was instant rage. You don't mention his name in this house. I mean, just... He was cussing and yelling. I'm not going to get into what I said. But either way, I was like, all right, this conversation's over. And I got up and left. Uh, I was like, yeah, this this thing will get nowhere. I, I've learned over the years of these people when they, you don't, if your opinion doesn't match theirs or you don't get to, or if, how do I word that? If your opinion doesn't match theirs or you don't do what they want you to do, which there was a lot of coercive control. I learned about that too going on. They get pissed. And that's why I learned you know, more about reading everybody's body language and knowing exactly what how I need to word all that and word everything you say to them, just part of it. So I saw that, conversation's over, I left, left it alone. After discovery, telling them, I go on about my life, you know, I have to keep everything together. Uh, about three weeks later, there was an issue that happened. My wife came home from work on a Monday. It was actually the day after I took her to meet my real dad. I took her on Sunday. Monday, she came home from work, said she wanted a divorce, and she was moving out. Wouldn't tell me why. Uh, still never told me why. I, of course, what? yeah, I fall apart. I mean, it ridiculously fall apart at this point. I'm already breaking from just trying to process the fact that I got a negative reaction from everybody that I went to with this on the family I grew up with on that side. So that's obviously something I'm trying to process. She comes out of nowhere with this. And literally this, I got my results February 4th before March 1st, she was gone. She had told the step, told my stepkids that I kicked them out. And that was it. She mailed me divorce papers. Never spoke to me again, has not spoke to me since that's fine. I don't know why she left at this point. It was probably a blessing. That's a whole other story. 
it was a blessing. I didn't see it at the time, obviously, because I had lost my immediate family because they weren't mm -hmm. talking to me. And then now my, my family is gone. Just gone. Oh. Uh, the kids wouldn't talk to me. I text them, said, Hey, I don't know why this is going on. I'm sorry. I love you. And that was it. Mm. So that, that put me into a tailspin bad because when she left, I was still working that night job. I had to quit my job. My son lives here and have to get him back and forth to school and all that sort of stuff. And I can't leave him. He's a teenager. I'm not leaving him at home at night on the weekends. What happened? I know what I did as a teenager at, at night on the weekends. It ain't happening at my house. Either way, I had to quit my job. And that point, I had to rely back on my business, which didn't work. Went into a depression tailspin because I didn't have anybody. My immediate family was gone. At-home family was gone. It was me and my son. Well, that was it. And that threw me into a tailspin of depression, which ultimately taught me a lot about myself because I, I broke all the way down to the lowest point I've ever been. I thought I've hit rock bottom. I have fought with depression and anxiety my whole life, but I never have ever hit a rock bottom like this one, which was good because I, I needed it. I needed to fix a lot of things about myself that I didn't like, the characteristics I had gotten growing up. I didn't know anything about myself really until I got to fall completely apart and learn all about it, which my son had to watch me go through that. And it was, it was hard on him, but I am super, super communicated with my son. We talk all the time. I've made a huge point throughout life to make sure he knows I love him because I can tell you the three times that the BCF told me he loved me growing up, and I can tell you the two times he said he was proud of me. So that was a big deal in my head. But my son had to watch me go through all that. He, uh, man, it, it was a rough year. Like I said, went through oh, that divorce. Cody, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. Went through that uh, divorce and all that. Like I said, she never spoke to me again. She mailed me divorce papers. That was it. It just, I cut off at that point due to her, the way she was handling everything and behaving, I knew that I just basically had to cut her out. So that left me and nobody from my late new immediate family, sisters and BCF, they knew it happened. Not one person reached out. Not one person even wanted to know if I was okay, if I needed anything, nothing, which shouldn't expect that from people, but that's how I am with everyone either way. Were you even able to start and grow a relationship with your, your new dad's family in the middle of oh, all yeah. of this going on? It's that, like there's highs and lows at the oh, same yeah. time. Yeah. They, uh, they, they checked on me. They knew what was going on. I went over and told my dad. I ended up going to church with him that morning, went over all of it with him. And he talked to me. Like He consoled me. He, he was there for me. I, I was not used to it, which he still... Is like that. He's incredible. We have an incredibly good relationship already. Um, they knew about it. So they, they checked on me, you know, all the time, but they knew I needed space. And he was, he was cool about that. I didn't go. I went over there a few times last year uh, throughout all this. Cause like I said, you know, I'm essentially at this point mourning the death of seven or eight people at once. Cause they just bounced and cut off all communication. And they were gone. I need to swing back to where I was. Uh, swing back around to reaching out to the family. Okay. My biological family. Uh, so I gave him about three months to process everything, you know, accept what's happening and all that sort of stuff. And I reached out to him and told him that I wanted them all to come over so we could have a meeting. I sent out a Facebook message so I could see who saw it for accountability. Cause people just be like, I didn't see the message. So I didn't do a text. Everybody was on there. Everybody could see the whole conversation was going on. 
I sent out the message that, hey, we need to get together. I just, I have a few questions I want answered and that's it. I said, I'm mad at anyone. I explained all that part. I said, hey, I just, I need to know some answers. And finally, after, I don't know how long, it was like a month or two of back and forth, which pretty much one sister was responding. She was the spokesperson for the group, which is the wrong person to choose. But one sister was responding. They finally got, I finally got them all over here and to talk to them. I was freaking stoked because I hadn't seen them in so long. BCF and both my sisters were going to be there. We could just chat this out and be done. Like it was that, it could have been that simple. Uh, I had a list of questions that I had wrote and I had spent quite a long time writing them. And my first question, I tried to make it less invasive, as least invasive as possible of why was this hidden from me? The response I got from the BCF was he never thought about it another day after he decided that he was going to be my dad. And I said, you didn't think about this when my mom found her real dad when I was in the eighth grade? This was never brought up. We had to tell a nephew in our family who his real dad was at one point. That wasn't brought up. And it just turned into both sisters tried to argue with me. Just instantly, they went into their, their screaming rage. Both stood up. I'm sitting on my couch. One sister's on the couch to the left of me. BCF and other sister's in front of me. They both stood up. And I'm just sitting there on my, on my couch. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Why are y'all screaming? Because they tried to tell me that's, they screamed something. That's not how that happened. I don't remember what it was about because it all just went kind of too blur. They're both screaming at me. And then watching the BCF sit over there on the couch. Because he's, again, in stone face, not even responding or even acknowledging that these two people are standing up screaming, which they're defending him throughout the entire process. Well, I see him start and his face start to shift. And I'm obviously reading body language. I, and I knew in my head he's, he's about to blow up because I'd seen this before a hundred times growing up. And I, he stood up and just I don't even know what he was screaming, but he had enough bass in his voice. And he was coming towards me. And so I stood up and rocked back because he wasn't going to make it to me. I was going to get him before he ever got to me. Well, one of the sisters saw me stand up and rock back and knew what was about to happen because she's seen that before in my younger years. So she grabbed him. And that's when I said, get your things and get out. They screamed at me and told me I needed to be in a hospital, crazy. I mean, all sorts of stuff, just screaming. All the way out the door, outside. My neighbors are outside looking. These people are out in the yard screaming. And I knew right then that this wasn't ever going to go any sort of way positive at all. There's going to be no no positive outcome from this. So I left it alone. Never got into the messenger again, whatever. Finally, uh, one of the sisters sent a message that she thinks, she said nobody liked how that happened or how that went down. she said, we need to figure out something about this. And I'm like, okay, well, here's a here's support. Let's see what happens. Well, she mentioned the idea of family counsel or family therapy. And I was like, yes, let's do this. Because I'm all for mental health. Pay attention to your mental health. We can tell you anything, do that. So I'm all for this idea. And we go back and forth. And for probably another month of chit-chatting about that, because I'm all for it. I'm like, yes, let me know. Get it coordinated. They're going to want to do a an assessment on each individual before they bring us in. Like I know how this process works. Let's, let's do this. I said, have your, your counselor, find you a counselor that's local or whatever that we can all get to and 
every access and all that. A couple months go by, or a month goes by or so of chit-chatting back and forth. And it really, the conversation boiled down to them trying to get me put in counseling. It wasn't even about a family thing at all. And that's when, when I realized that, and that's when, that's when I had to cut ties. I finally sent a, a final message on that messenger. I said, hey, right now we all have a lot going on. This is a lot to put on everybody. I said, for my own mental health, I have to walk away from this for now. I said, I put in some boundaries in place. I said, please don't contact me. I said, I need this time to heal and figure out my life. Because at that point, I lost, you know, like many people have said, I lost my identity. I didn't know who it was. And it didn't make any sense to me. And that was a whole new feeling, obviously. I had to figure myself out because I have no one at this point, which I've had some good friends be here for me when they when I needed them. They've done some incredible things for me. I have several friends in the mental health field that have been right by my side. It's been I've had good support since, even though I went through the entire year of the depression and all that sort of stuff. But I told them that and I there was I had to set that boundary. I need to cut ties, do my own thing. And that was disrespected as much as you possibly could. I mean, there was they sent people around me that I thought were my allies and they were just here to to try to change my mind and think that I should just sweep this under the rug and go on and act like it never happened because that's what they expected. Yeah. Because I've had to do that with everything in life that ever bothered me. You just sweep that under the rug and act like that never happened. Well, I don't do that anymore because that's what got me in the position I was in life, was not standing up for myself, not having boundaries, anything else. I just let people walk all over me. But yeah, that was, they sent people around and just everything. Finally, I had to block them completely out. I have blocked them on every bit of social media, their phone numbers. I have no contact with them because it's never positive. The few times they reached out to me last year outside of our little family conversation was for me to do something for them or fix something. Mm -hmm. No, not. It's not happening. Mm -hmm. Yep. Not once. Hey, brother, are you okay? Nothing. Nothing. Sorry, that kind of pissed. See, some of it just does still piss you off, and that's important. Mm. It's okay to be mad. Like Lily said earlier, it's okay to be mad. You have to sometimes. It's, it's healthy emotion, and it's frowned on by everybody, especially somebody you're mad at. In my situation, because guilt, you know, that'll do a thing or two to somebody. Guilt, denial, and everything else. But it's okay to be mad, and man. <laughs> oh, I know. Talking about this can, yeah. it can... Yeah, you can refill some things. Yeah, but I got I got through that part. So I, that was kind of my main gist of the of the post discovery everything, and I can get to the positive parts of it because I definitely want to include that. So when I finally had to block everyone on social media, phone numbers, everything, and some of my other family members, I had to cut out also, which I didn't want to. They were not part of the the three that really were involved in this. I had to cut out some other family members, and it's not easy. Actually, it's flat ass hard to do and it hurts a lot, but for your own mental health, you have to do it because if you have someone in your life that is, that is destroying you mentally and trying to control you and all that sort of stuff, you have to cut that person out, block them, do whatever you have to. But I did all that and I just decided, you know, this is, they, I need them to, to figure this out on their own, you know, accept it, come to terms with it. I've learned basically at this point, that's never going to happen. I, th- yeah, they're just going to sweep it under the rug on their end, I think. Um, 
I still allow my son to be, go over there and hang out with his cousins and everything. Cause I'm not, I'm not going to cut him out. Uh, like I said, with my son, I've always been very vocal with him. He, he understands boundaries. He understands that communication. And if there's something that he doesn't like, he stands up for himself. I've just, I've taught him to do that. Uh, so I don't worry much about him. He's a super intelligent kid, probably one of the biggest blessings of my life. But yeah, I, I still allow him to go over there and, and be part of that because he can protect himself and he'll he communi- he'll communicate with me if something happens that I need to know about. Uh, but cut all them out and I realized at that point I have to move on with my life because it was consuming me. It destroyed me. That whole process, like a six-month process, just kept breaking me down further and further. That's when I, some of my friends were like, hey, you know, friends and my counselor at the time, you have to put in, you have to put the boundaries in place. And that's where I went with it. Helped me tremendously. Matter of fact, cutting toxic people out of your life will do more for you than you even know. Uh, it really makes life a lot more enjoyable. So I knew I had to finish or in that part with them. If they want to, you know, I will never cut anybody completely out. If they'd like to be part of my life again, it's, it's going to be a whole lot of conversation to even allow them back in or for me to ever, ever instill trust or anything. I got no respect for them at this point after some of the behavior I've seen since this all went down. Zero respect. Uh, but at that point, you know, I had to cut them out and I wanted I had to pursue the life of my dad. You know, I, had to, I had to get to know this man. Uh, you know, we've already missed 40 years or 38 years and I didn't want to miss anymore. And we started seeing each other more. I started going over there as much as I could afford to go over there. If I could be off work and whatever else and make time, we do everything together. We go fishing every other weekend, probably every three, at least a couple of times a month, at least. We took my son this year, last year to kill his first turkey, which that was a huge deal to me. Like I said, our, Outdoors is everything does, and it is to him, so it's it's great. Uh, they invite they've every single person I've met, all kinds of family members I didn't know I had. Uh, got to hang out with several people. They've all invited me in with open arms, me and my son, like we were there the whole time. Never skipped a beat. I mean, half time we go over there, my son and my dad would just jump in the truck and take off, or they'll jump in the Ranger and take off and go feed cows or whatever else. Because he just he loves doing all that stuff with both of us. Like he's he's huge into all of his kids' lives. Uh, you know, I've got my, my stepmom, I guess she is my dad's wife, my bonus mom. She's awesome. She's been incredible to me also. just like everyone else has. Mm. Uh, they're just, they're, they're great. They're the most incredible people. It's been a huge, huge blessing to me. And I'll remember, I'll always remember the first holiday. I want to say it was Easter of last year that we got to be together as a family with outside family coming together, you know, for a holiday. And it was amazing. It was like a freaking Hallmark movie compared to what I've seen my whole life. Nobody was drunk. No, there wasn't no drama. There wasn't no tension within the house. It was, it was incredible. I'd never seen anything like it. And every single time is like that. Mm. It, it's great. We haven't, like I said, we haven't missed a beat. We hang out all the time. He's an incredible man. He's been a Sunday school teacher for 20 years. He's, he's absolutely incredible. And I, you know, I, I've wished over and over that I could, I would have had him when I was younger and I don't want to change anything about my past because I've got a lot of good people in my life and I've got my son and I ain't changed nothing about that. And the kids, my everything. Uh, I don't wish to change my past. I don't wish to, I don't want anything to be different, man. It all happens for a reason. Like I said in the very beginning of this and if anything that, and I just discovered this not long ago, if there's anything that I could get out of me having to separate myself from my family I grew up with is that it draws them back together. 
because that's what I was trying to do that entire year before I figured out all this stuff. The prior year, I, I mean, it went on for a whole year every Sunday, trying to put my family back together. If this accomplishes that, and I still have to be, and I and I can't be present for it, that's fine because I still brought them back together, and I now have my family that I needed. Hmm. Cody, I know I asked you this earlier, but if people listening to this story want to reach out to you after after hearing you, could they do that? And and what would be the best way to get in touch with you? Absolutely. Um, you can reach out to me by email. It's Hathaway10, H-A-T-H-E-W-A-Y, one zero at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to me on Facebook. My name is Cody Hathaway. Everything is public. Look me up. Send a friend request. I don't, whatever you want to do. Anybody who needs to reach out, and I really want to emphasize that towards men on this because there's a lot of guys who can't, a lot of men have an issue with admitting there's something wrong in my generation because we were, a lot of us were born with the the tough guy, father figures around, you don't talk about. There's a lot of people out there like that. This is more way, way more prevalent than people think, especially for the men. If you need somebody to talk to, reach out. And, and for anybody this is happening to, reach out. If you don't have somebody to talk to, go get some counseling. Do it. It's paramount to your survival after this, especially if things go bad. Because I know in these situations, I luckily got a huge blessing out of this, but not everybody does. And I know that. And you don't stay quiet about it. Don't be afraid to voice how you feel. Reach out for help. Reach out to a friend. Reach out to another NPE. Reach out to any of them. Just someone. Because most people, you know, people can't relate to this like we can. Unless this has happened to you, this is a whole new set of feelings, psychology, therapists, counselors haven't even caught up with you. Uh, pay close attention to grief counseling, but reach out. And like I said, on my Facebook, you guys can reach out to me. I'll chat with anybody. It don't matter who you are. Cody, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thank you for having me. This is, I was able to reach a different level on this and this really helped a lot. And I want to say thank you for that. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.